Hey everybody, it's John. I wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Over there on Patreon, Mitch and I discuss subjects concerning movies and television and just about anything else we want to talk about. So uh, if you want to come over there, you can subscribe for $2 a month for one episode or $5 a month for every episode at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another AMP commentary. This time, we're going to talk about George Miller's The Road Warrior, or Mad Max 2, if you prefer. In the future... Cities will become deserts. Roads will become battlefields. And the hope of mankind will appear as a stranger. Today we're being joined by friend of the show, consistent collaborator, always available in a pinch, the one and only cinematographer, filmmaker, editor, Todd Norris. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for having me here. I always enjoy these. These are great. You told me this movie was spoiled for you by VHS. That's true. Or Well, uh, no. In fact, it was uh, by the network television premiere of the movie is when I first saw it. Oh, my God. That must have been chopped up to nothing. It was awful. And... um, (laughs) So to cue this up, uh, as soon as the Warner Brothers logo fades out, pause it, and then we will hit play from that point on. So if you're all ready, if you paused it, I'm going to give you a one, two, three, go. One, two, three, go.
And Kennedy Miller should be rolling up here. There it is. There it is. And we've got Gateweave on my old yeah, transfer I love it. of this. I, I love it. <laughs> All right. And yours says The Road Warrior. And my Blu-ray says Mad Max 2. So that's interesting. That they Which is decided. what the title was everywhere else but United States. Because in United the United States, States, Mad Max wasn't a hit, but everywhere else it was. That's right. Exactly. And this is the first movie that I can think of, although we can't tell as we're watching these titles, that this is in a different aspect ratio. This is an old ratio. Mm-hmm. And that's where it starts. Can you think of any other movie that shifted ratio like before this? Before this? Mm. Yeah. Oh, Superman. Superman that's, the movie. That's true. Oh, you're right. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Very good. Yeah. So that was very close, like right before. That's Well, no, it was a couple years before couple this. A couple years before. Yeah. Yeah. This is 82, and that was 80. Or not, 79. 79. Yeah. Uh, I'll be re- real quick about how VHS or you know television ruined the movie for me. Uh, this whole beginning, this prologue that we're going to be watching... Um, I had no idea until I got the laser disc that there was a, an aspect ratio change. So when I right. when I first watched the laser disc, which was the first time I saw it widescreen, when it goes to scope, I, I like I about had a heart attack. It was amazing. <laughs> but I'm like I had no I had no idea. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That sh- this shot right there of of Max standing there contrapposto in the pose of a michelangelo's david is pretty amazing right it pretty much tells us what kind of that he's a hero so i I always think you know it doesn't really matter to me how this movie works as a sequel to the first mad max but i can't help but to try to think it through like exactly how does this what we see in this prologue connect to the previous movie outside of what he directly says about max later but is this all to have happened before the last movie or between movies? I think it's between movies. That all of it, just like, it was chaos in the first movie, but more like the way yeah, Gotham they, City is chaos. There's lots of crime and it's out of control. Yeah. But then all of this goes down. So he's just a lonely widow who's driving around and then all this happens. It's, I it's think just, so. I mean, again, it, it does say the roads much, became but... a white line nightmare mm-hmm. coming up here as if that happened after all of this. But I don't know. The world of Mad Max and the world of the Road Royer are so different yeah. because they didn't have any money for Mad Max. And George Miller even said in an interview that he felt like he was making the Road Warrior as an act of atonement for Mad Max. Right. Because he had such a miserable time with Mad Max and didn't get to do all the things that he really wanted to do. And so he he said he felt almost obligated to do it right. Yeah, he apparently, he came to L.A. and, and took a lot of meetings after Mad Max and kind of felt like he didn't earn it. Uh, he, he, he was watching Mad Max sort of thinking, man, I could have done all this so much better. So instead of cashing in at Hollywood, he cashed in by doing it over again sort of it's similar in a way weirdly to the evil dead you know like you get this sequel it's like almost a redo sequel in a weird way mm-hmm. where they didn't step completely away from the idea but they expanded on it and uh created a little bit more a fuller vision if you if you will yeah but i've always found mad max to be kind of rough going there's there's spots in it that i especially all that stuff when he's with his wife and mm-hmm. It here. just goes on forever. It's here we go. Boring. Here we go. 
And I, from what oh, I understand, yeah. yeah. So we <laughs> shift to aspect ratio, and we, and if I understand correctly, we shift uh, audio mix as well. It goes oh. from mono to uh, like Dolby. I think this is one of the first Dolby films in Australia. Hmm. If I remember right, like surround sound uh, films in Australia. That doesn't help the score that Todd feels like was <laughs> recorded in a cave. Which I kind of like how it's like all it. smashed yeah. up and mono sounding and just kind of grungy, but I totally get what you're saying. It yeah, it, it is. It's weird. There's just a sort of reverb on it that Hollywood scores don't have. This kind of strange, uh, you know, yeah. It, you know what it reminds me of? It, the, and more so in the first movie, it mm. sounds a little bit like parts of the uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail score. Like it does. it's got yeah. that yeah. kind yeah, of distant music sound, sound, like library music, yeah. Just, I mean, what to say about this movie? The editing and the cinematography, I mean, the, everything is just so incredible. And it's pure cinema because it's all visual and no dialogue and just having to learn about this world, but also being thrilled at the same time with the car chase right at the beginning. It's amazing. Yeah. So much of this stuff has long shadows and gets we get this sense that it was kind of, you know, late afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I wonder some whether some of it is also timed to give us that kind of golden look. But like that stuff mm. there, that was clearly late afternoon. Yeah, I remember listening to the commentary uh, with Dean Semler, and you know they they just ran out of daylight all the time because they were just shooting and shooting and shooting all day long. And so I think a lot of this footage is actually really you know at the end of the day because they just were running out of time and chasing the sun for this whole movie. It looks beautiful, though, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That gold. And some of these wide-angle shots, it, the the earth looks curved in the background. You yeah. Know, it really just is epic feeling. Yeah. Yeah, you know, along with Steven Spielberg films in the 80s, I think as a teenager who wanted to make movies, I think I imprinted on the style of George Miller as well. You know, I really, just in terms of the wide-angle lenses and the camera movement, and it's just that sort of kinetic quality. Um, it's a combination of, you know, kinetic, but also very formally composed. It's sort of Sergio Leone meets, you know, a more kinetic, like if Sergio Leone had directed car chase movies. So it's really, really cool. He had never seen a Kurosawa movie when he made Mad Max, and then he saw a couple in between. And I think you can feel it a little bit. He saw Yojimbo. <laughs> oh, yeah, he says flat out that... that Yojimbo, Seven Samurai were influences, and he went to the Joseph Campbell well as well. So that he kind of did a Lucasy thing with this uh, when he came to approaching the story. I've seen enough movies that Dean Semler has been the cinematographer that you can just you can recognize his style uh, mm. about in the way that he shoots uh, in sunlight. Something about like using a lot of shiny board reflectors for sort of kicker lights on people's over their shoulder and then, you know, lots of soft front fill so that everything's very balanced. You know, there's not a lot of ugly blown out shots in the desert. Everything is very, very well filled in and sculpted with the lighting. You know, right after this, he shot Razorback and it was budget challenged. And they hired him because he knew all the locations. They basically went back to all the locations of Mad Max <laughs> to shoot Razorback. Yeah. And especially the gyro pilot, um, that tree, that area where the tree is. They, right. That's in Razorback. Oh, cool. Here comes a, a John Carpenter-esque jump scare coming up. A little misdirect. 
four shots. I remember yeah. slowing it down and looking at it yeah. to see how many cuts there were to get that body out of the cab into the ground. George Miller always has had that visual obsession with those googly eyes, you know, those like mm. bulging eyes, and he'll have those yeah. little subliminal flash frames. I just wonder where that comes from. You know, there's two of them and both big kills. The one at the beginning with, uh, what's his name, Knight, the Night Rider and then the Toe Cutters. Deaths are both almost the same. Where they're mm. about to crash into something and they cut to that googly eye for yeah. just a second and then crash. Well, and John Lithgow's eyes literally pop out of his mm-hmm. yeah. head, you know, in, with in the, the special effect in the Twilight Zone episode. Right. You know, There's I think... A fade. John, yeah. To re- Okay. Oh, well, see, let's we're going to talk about transitions in this movie. I'll see the shot right with the now. car way on the left and the tree on the right. Again, mm-hmm. to show you how TV blew, just ruined this for me. Mm-hmm. On the TV version, there's no tree on the right. You know, like like all the composition is blown on the pan and scan television version. Yeah, so this is the area that they used in Razorback. Mm. And by the way, freezing cold, apparently. Every time I've ever watched this movie, you know, it looks hot to me. Apparently it was freezing the entire shoot. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, it's it's crazy to think. There's a story I, about Vernon Wells' character, uh, Wes, has his ass showing like through the whole movie, right? <laughs> and apparently they called him like barometer bum or something like that because they knew if his ass got purple, it was time to go hide for a while. <laughs> That's the story he told. I heard a great interview with him. I'll have a few tidbits from it. Uh, uh, they interviewed him on the Projection Booth podcast. And, uh, it's he had so some funny because this say. doesn't look to me like winter light. But if if I guess I would try to be. Apparently, objective. the weather was. Un- they chose this area because it didn't rain ever, and it rained mm-hmm. when they shot. So it was like the first rain that had been in this area for years. It snowed a little bit even, and it was co- much much colder than it should have been. So it was of course mm-hmm. it was. So it's like Terry Gilliam was shooting this movie or something. Like everything that could go wrong went wrong for them as far as the elements are concerned but it didn't affect the production too much i think they had to shut down for a little while because of the rain but that's it here we get bruce spence and this is yeah what a face what a what a physique (laughs) this guy's got it was such a treat to hear these australian accents because i had seen mad max in the theaters prior to this yeah. And, of course, it had been dubbed with really bad American accents all through it. Samuel Z. Arkoff insisted on it being dubbed. Yeah. Even even Gibson, who was a, actually an American, got dubbed. Yeah. <laughs> like, his accent, hardly incomprehensible in Mad Max. Like, it's he's 100% clear <laughs> when he's speaking. I don't... I don't understand that. I actually don't think the accents in Mad Max are that bad at all. No, they're not. I've seen much worse. Bruce Spence does has the best foot acting there. Those little inserts mm-hmm. on his feet. Yeah. Doing a little... <laughs> you know, those are not good apocalypse shoes. Those are a p- poor choice. He needs to find that's, something with a little better sole. That's true. A little better support. Well, I'll tell you, if they did, in fact, shoot this when it was cold, i.e. more in wintertime, it would make sense that the shadows are always long, now that you think about it, because, you know, and chasing daylight. That is a great insert. You get so much mileage out of it. Of course, a quick fella might lead you to his dog. (laughs) <laughs> this window too. 
There's a dolly uh, in here, isn't there? I think. <laughs> yeah. We're... No, there's not. Well, it's just a little. Now that I'm paying attention, it's going from cloudy to sunny to cloudy to sunny <laughs> on all these shots. Oh, yeah? the, the weather's changing in every shot. But you're right, there is a lot of light poured onto everything, isn't there? Mm. It's really great. Colorful, vivid. So what kind of a transition are we going to have here, John? <laughs> oh, I'm sure we got a wipe coming. There we go. Oh, yeah. And that's a very Star wars That is almost God. the totally. exact same shot as the land, the land speeder, speeder going across the... Yeah. Yeah, but you know I love a wipe. I mean, this movie's got yeah. a lot of my favorite things. Wipes and people looking through binoculars and telescopes. And no, dogs this, with guns. This dogs is just with, dark humor, man. It's <laughs> so great. There's, and he there's sees that so bunny. much... <laughs> That beat with the bunny is amazing. There's so much like silent filmmaking in this yeah. movie, like bits of Keaton-esque humor. You know, if Keaton would have made movies in the 70s and 80s, you know, there might have been a little bit more of a twisted <laughs> take to him like that little comedy. God, that was a definite bit. Leone thing, starting on the insert of a foot and ending in the same shot on this massive panoramic reveal of their yeah, main they, set. Yeah, they, they love this shot. I mean, they get a lot of mileage out of this setup that they got here, especially when it gets into the evening. Mm. And it's beautiful. It's, when they get to the evening, the lights come on and there's some fires built around. It's really mm-hmm. lovely. That's pretty real. another one of your point of view shots looking through a binoculars, John. You were telling yeah. me so how much you love those kind of shots. I love it so much. And it gives it, in, in this particular case, it kind of makes the world seem bigger in a way. If yeah. you know what I mean, it's like limits the your vantage point, you know, by shrinking the frame down. But it also makes it feel like there's a lot more going on outside the frame by doing so. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, it's also a good way pretty... to kind of create more out of a shot, I think. Yeah. It helps that it's like accurate, like just those little whip pants that the lenses. I don't know. I, I, I say that now and I realize now it's a little different, but it it looks like what you would probably really see through binoculars. You know, they're not cheating it with mm-hmm. by moving closer. Some movies that are really lazy, you know, the binocular vision is clearly not <laughs> correct. But this is a long lens. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that kind of jitter from, you know, from uh, the vibration and whip pans. It, it, it all looks pretty. And, you know, that shot we just saw of, of Lord Humongous and then Wes comes up and talks to him. We get everything about their dynamic, uh, the hierarchy of this gang from that little shot. You know, it's the one guy sitting, he's sitting higher up. The other guy clearly wants more action somehow. I want more action. Let's do more here. And the other one's calm. And that's what we're going to see from them as we go forward. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize until recently that um, um, Archer made me watch the Revenge of the Sith again recently, and I didn't realize Bruce Spence is in that movie as a oh, yeah? Star Wars alien yeah. that I call Corduroy Face, and the grand tradition of calling Star Wars aliens what they look like. Yeah. He's just got lines on his face. It's like, yeah, I could see why you would cast him in as an alien. <laughs> He's just got such a unique, so much. You could put a lot of makeup on him and get some mileage out of that face. That's, that's for sure. Here comes the dinky D. It's such a crazy, wild, wide angle. It's just yeah. amazing. 
<laughs> that is the best dog. Yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite movie dog. Oh, really? He's a pretty good dog. So in high school, uh, my friends and I were really into Mad Max. This was when uh, Beyond Thunderdome had just come out. And that's what, you know, so I sort of retroactively saw Road Warrior. And we went to a sci-fi convention and we dressed up in, you know, Mad Max gear because we were 80s nerds. And to top off our uh, cheesy Road Warrior leather costumes, we had cans of uh, refried beans that we had then bought some Alpo dog food and put the Alpo label <laughs> on and we were wandering the halls of the convention eating the Alpo. You know? oh <laughs> I, I was Mad Max the Halloween after this and I subbed in a Froster's lager can. It's oh, nice. <laughs> but I made myself a brace and everything for my cool. life. Cool. I just remember being kind of shocked by how hard everybody is and how just because of the lack of dialogue, how it just kind of presents you with this world and mm-hmm. sets you into a free fall. And I know we look at it now and it doesn't seem shocking, but when this movie came out, the aesthetic about it, everything was just really bold and fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Think of how many imitators this movie spawned. In the 80s, a lot, some of them, you know, like just drive in and straight to video type things. But there were so many Road Warrior ripoffs. And none of them got it. No. It, uh, the combination of the fact that it's Australian. Look at that shot, Todd. That's yeah. Her, that's, yeah. A, that's an effect of the lens, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just an extreme wide anamorphic lens. But they love this shot. Like, look how long they hold on this. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting so much going on. And in in, in, I guess you want to convey... That this, these guys are leaving, but I don't know. They they hold on that shot so long because probably because they look at it and go, man, it's lovely. Yeah, it's a weird it. combination of <laughs> real time slow cinema with some of these shots, and then this rapid cutting that we get in other parts of the movie. See, it's funny that um, and a fade to black, which, just a nice little vignette. You know, that's so interesting. Yeah, that's like the third fade to black so far in the movie. But you just mentioned how like hard the people are. Uh, the characters are in this movie. Uh, is that what you meant? That they're just kind of hard around the yeah. edges. But the gyro, the gyro ca- uh, captain, kind of isn't. He's like the one that's not right. He's kind of kind and understanding as the movie goes through. Yeah, but right now he's yeah, well, still kind of a predator. Well, you know, except, he just ha- he he just happens to have the up. The, he's Max no, has the upper hand, but I think he'd slit Max's throat in a second if he could. Well, I don't. I really don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> And I think that what I was the point I was trying to make was we just had this beat where he delicately wipes his mouth after he eats in this world. And I, I think that's telling you right out that he's not that kind of guy. I don't think yeah. he is. I mean, I don't think that kind of guy behaves the way he does later. I think part of the fun is just that that attempt to preserve pre-apocalyptic uh, manners. <laughs> you know, this mm-hmm. sort of holding on to old behaviors that have no function in, you know, this. Yeah. And he's the only one doing society. It. Yeah. 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 True. So if he wouldn't slit your throat, would he sneak up 
behind you and bang you on the head? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Okay. He might do that. I don't think he's a brutal murderer. I don't even know if he would have actually pulled the trigger on that <laughs> on that uh, crossbow earlier. Yeah. He just had the upper hand for a minute. But yeah, I think there's got you know it makes sense that there'd be one inherently good guy among all these people. There's this comical sadism that runs through their relationship mm-hmm. that we're going to see one more example of it here with the with their choice of <laughs> I think this is when the viewing yeah yeah utensils come out. But it reminds me of Good the Bad and the Ugly how Blondie treats Tuco. That's very true. Yeah, there is a definite connection between those two uh relationships. And I think There's that's something about, that's yeah. something critical that was missing from Beyond Thunderdome was this kind of odd couple relationship. Yeah. Even though it kind of disappears later on in this movie, but it's just so critical to making this movie work. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> of course, the and then this reminds joke, me of Leone too. You know, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this very Leone esque. What's going to happen? But from that joke. It goes to this kind of cruelty. Yeah. Which is really shocking. Yeah. That expression right there says it all. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that they show what he's seen and it doesn't flinch. Yeah. You know? But John, I think you're right. You know, just based on these reactions and his behavior, the gyro captain has some amount of compassion and humanity, you know. Yeah. Yeah, with Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, it really felt like just if if just one of those kids in the second half of the movie would have had some kind of a you know, some kind of a really interesting edge that would pair up with Max, it would have been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I don't dislike Beyond Thunderdome. I know that a lot of people I don't, don't like it at all, but I, I have a soft spot for it. Oh, I, I like it very no, much. It's the, I mean, to me, it has that Amblin quality to it that I do like. Yeah. But that's also what kind of takes the edge off of it, maybe. Certainly seems like he was going for a Spielberg y. Right. With, yeah, the first half is definitely better. It's when it becomes the movie with the kids it, it does get a little less interesting anyway that's another movie <laughs> right i but i think that I, I i actually think that i get over the years i've come to like that part of the movie more and more for some reason i don't know why just every time i watch it i'm like you know what? i used to hate that part of the movie i used to not like that movie very much at all and now i, I watch it now and i go you know it's just, it's it's my You're right favorite here i mean Mad the humanity Max. on his face right there yeah. he's really disturbed by that yeah. yeah and then it cut to it though yeah it cut to just... that inventory shot like that it's just really exploitive well, this was always the weirdest reaction you know the, this uh smile yeah well because he's gonna yeah He's trying. I think a lot of these guys are really, really dumb, right? I think that's pretty <laughs> obvious. But in that case, his his only thought was, "I'll distract him by smiling at him." Yeah. That, was his, that was his big gambit, you know. And yeah. Max is Max is really smart, so that's not going to work. But that insert shot, the the low angle up on Max, was an example of the Dean Semler look. I think of was there, you know, 
blue sky, but then perfectly exposed face. You know, everything mm-hmm. is just filled in very well. Well, you know, they saw that sky and they were like, oh my gosh, we got to use this. <laughs> it's so interesting with all the different clouds and streaks and everything. Yeah. Okay, now we get to the green part of the movie. And uh, you could see it here a little bit. On the Blu-ray, you can really see how green that little hill is. And then the, as he gets into this compound, you'll notice a lot of the costuming's a little green tinted or they'll have green scarves on. There's even bits of grass around the feral kid's hole. I think that's a nice touch that he's he's coming closer to something that resembles lush earth, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. something natural, something good which i guess that idea was carried forth a lot more explicitly in mad max fury road right where mm-hmm. the the whole idea of sort of water and vegetation and being part of the plot actually yeah it's it's to me it's interesting i guess there was some you know just like there were in the united states in the late 70s there were some major fuel crises in australia in the late uh, 70s and early 80s. So that's what sort of spawned this. But you would think it would make more sense for this movie to be about water, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems like that's also lacking. Nobody seems to care about water in this movie at all. Like, it, does anybody drink anything? Do they send <laughs> him with water when he goes across? No, uh, I don't think so. They Even in um, Beyond Thunderdome, they send him, there's some water that he has to take when he goes trekking across the outback. A lot of shoulder pads in this movie. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of shoulder pads in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 specifically football shoulder pads. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, just kidding. Right, American football shoulder pads too. Right, right? I, that's, I think that's right. Australian rules. They they had. Uh, I didn't really. I didn't. Maybe know not. That Australian maybe not. rules wore pads. Okay. Well, they clearly had some pads for some sport in Australia. I don't think they shipped these in. But, I like that this is handheld, you know, this sort of him yeah. coming into the compound. It... And then that, if that's a point of view shot, it's on, it's locked down on a dolly. Yeah. That's really one. interesting. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie in a long time. So this this cap, uh, character's name is Papagayo. Yeah. You hear it a couple of times. It's almost like names don't really matter that much in this movie, though. If you if you're a fan of Mad Max, you kind of know the names, but you certainly don't need to know the names. Yeah. As you're watching the movie. And then some people don't have names. Like her name is Warrior Woman. <laughs> that's that's her name. Just always thought she was foxy, but she yeah, always kind of Vulcan it, eyebrows. In my mind, she was always supermodel warrior lady. Yeah, you know, like she she was supposed to be that early '80s supermodel. She, she's Ginger, and this the other girl's Marianne. That's right, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Papagallo is the professor. <laughs> I always thought he kind of looked like a blonde Mick wow, Jagger. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does look a little. We're definitely yeah. If you're just start doing Gilligan's Island, no, no. 
Is the feral kid Gilligan? Uh, maybe. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. This guy is great. This guy. This so guy good. is amazing, and I love his new wave haircut that he's got there. I like how he does not care, doesn't seem to care that much about the dog. <laughs> he's yeah. like, well, those legs don't work anyway. So yeah. What do I care? But it's His interesting in editing how they revealed it, though, that you don't really realize that he's paralyzed until the dog attacks. That because the right. yeah, it's a cool way of editing it. Well, it's interesting about a lot of these characters that I didn't know until I was sort of researching for this is that Miller and, and company. I'm forgetting the name of the screen. What, what do we got? Miller, Terry Hayes, Terry and Hayes, Brian Hannett. They didn't do a whole lot of character work. They just kind of wrote the script, and then he Miller really put out a mandate to the actors to come up with their own backstory. And I think that a lot of the mechanic, I, I actually can't remember. I feel like I heard Miller say that he, the the swing was kind of an idea that came along later, that he would be on that swing, that that wasn't even originally what was supposed to be hmm. um, his character. The warrior woman was a man. The golden youth that's on Wes's motorcycle was a woman. Like all these things kind of changed as they went along and went, hey, who cares? Let's cast whoever we want and, Gender roles can swap, and then um, Vernon Wells talks a lot about writing a pretty extensive backstory for for his character Wes, mm-hmm. um, and he's very adamant about the fact that they were not a gay couple. He's very adamant about that that him and the the young the boy, on the, youth, they're not they're that not it was more of a rescue. They were they raided a like a home and killed the family, but then when he saw the kid, he basically stole the kid and raised him as sure a son. They were Vernon. Sure. Yep. Sure they were. <laughs> I mean there is a mirroring of it in Gosh. with Max and the feral kid, but Yeah. These compositions are so great. And here's the, the <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry, the saddest bastards in the whole movie. These poor guys. Yeah. They spend the whole movie on this vehicle. I, I, I want to so in twisted. advance say watch when he headbutts the guy. Uh-huh. Mm. And if there's a, I think there's a flash on the frame. So yeah, oh, okay. whether, whether I remember that correctly. I think you're right. And I think Robert Rodriguez stole that gag for some of his stuff in the El Mariachi movies. There's some pigs down there at the bottom. Yeah, it's foreshadowing of Babe movies. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There'll be some penguins later. For yeah. The, <laughs> Of course, this is where the movie really takes a turn to me. When he gives this announcement, it's like, man, this is such a... All of a sudden, it's kind of weirdly punk rock. Yeah, it's bananas. It's like weird punk rock, Kenneth Anger, fetishy thing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And then I can never get Schwarzenegger out of my mind with this guy. With Lord Humongous, but Schwarzenegger wasn't a star yet when they made this movie, really, so... And this guy was a Swedish, he was like Mr. Sweden. So it's not even an Austrian or German accent. I've always just thought it sounded like Schwarzenegger, but he was his own bodybuilder movie star. And there's the one girl back there. He says like puny plan. from Rocky <laughs> yeah. Horror. Yeah. yeah. Ouch. Oh. They're adamant that they did not kill a rabbit for that shot. Well, good for them. There was there was a plan to, and somebody said, "Please don't," and they figured out another way to do it. Oh, I didn't no, see it. I didn't see it either. Interesting. I think that might be our uh, our Zoom recording not playing the full frames. We're getting oh. a little 
I'm pretty oh, sure okay. it's. I'm pretty sure it's, it's there, there, right? Yeah. And then that, that's. I love that shot. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh. He, that, that, what is with his lack of awareness? Like they just <laughs> threw a boomerang. He should be on the lookout, man. He's he's clearly kind of dim with it, I guess. A kids boomerang. Yeah. Because this is this guy clearly playing. thinks it's a kids boomerang. <laughs> yeah, I remember freezing freeze framing this shot to see how they did it, and <laughs> and it's like a fake hand, and the the fingers yeah. are already cut, and they just knock him over on this shot. Oh, it's a great reaction because you can almost see his face turning pale, like yeah. the sickness you would feel. And if everybody this just gets such a laugh from it. It's just, it's just so cruel. including him. He's such he's such a kiss ass that even he laughs yeah. at that. <laughs> This is that like in those Leone movies where all they all laugh to make sure that they don't make the main bad guy angrier, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> Some of this is funny to me because we go through all of this drama with the gang here, and then when we cut back to our good guys, I always kind of chuckle because I'm like, they just stood there and watched all this crap go down. It t- like took three, four minutes for them to get through this argument, you know, and they're just watching it. Like, oh, there's a lot of drama over there. he's got that darth vader head yeah so did you guys know that he was originally in the first draft he was uh what's his name goose jimmy goose from the first movie they were actually going to write him in as the he was going to be more burned and everything because you never see the goose character die in the first one you just see him burned and then they never come back to him so hmm. they were thinking about having him be the antagonist in this, and then Max would figure it out, but they dropped it pretty early on, which is probably hmm. for the best. Especially since they were going to have to market it to people that didn't see Mad Max. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't mean much to them. It, I'm starting to have memories. I, I was in a TV class in high school, and it does occur to me now that we had a VHS of this movie because my friends and I would just play the, this movie over and over again because uh, I I know all this dialogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just walk, walk away. away. I spare your lives. Just walk away, and I'll spare your lives. <laughs> Did the VHS have, say, Apocalypse Pow on the front of it, or was that just the first DVD release? Because that re- always cracked me up that they chose that. Oh, the, that the pull Apocalypse quote? Pow. Yeah. I think it was that, Leonard Malton. That was that was from, yeah, it was it was Jack Kroll, I think, in Newsweek, right? Oh, maybe, Apoc- yeah, I think yeah. that I was the remember. title of that review, Apocalypse Pow. It's just such a funny thing to put on the cover of your, like the corniest <laughs> pun. I remember it just had that oversized Warner Brothers clamshell box for mm-hmm. the longest time. With, yeah, the green yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. This guy's. So I remember like one a of my friends reaction. before we'd seen the movie saying, because all these reviews were coming out and everybody, the gr- reviews were great, you know. And uh, I just remember him kind of going, Yeah, I guess we should go see it. Everybody's coming all over themselves over it. <laughs> so <laughs> we went to the movie and he just did, he was he was quite impressed at the, oh, at yeah. the end of it. Because <laughs> it kind of came out of nowhere. For, mm-hmm. From my the way that I perceived it, it just kind of it kind of landed, and everybody went nuts over it, and away it went. It's just an undi- undeniable movie. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know how anybody could not enjoy themselves watching this movie. You know, it's so kinetic, so it never stops moving. 
It's just pure entertainment, and it's so well done. And like I said, they don't do a whole lot to draw the characters, but you still care about the characters. Something in the performances, I don't know how how they get. Even like I, I love that guy, you know. Like why yeah. do I love that guy? I don't know why. He's Open funny. to negotiation. Yeah, he's like Patton or something, but he's a reasonable man. He's the reasonable man. <laughs> of course, the kid. The kid goes a long way. The dog goes a long way, you know, to pulling you into the story. This scene goes a long way to pulling you into the story. Yeah, so we're really in Shane territory here, right? Mm-hmm. And oh, I think that was deliberately and exactly Lone Wolf and Cub, a little bit of that. Yeah, you know, I think Shane was like they've said that Shane was the idea here. I'm not sure if he if he'd never seen Kurosawa before. I don't know if he'd seen Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah, that's that's it's true. I think he said he had never seen a samurai movie before. Of course, <laughs> this is very uh, very Leone, right? The, yeah, <laughs> the uh, music yeah, box. I guess you call right? it. Is it? Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't there the music box and for a few dollars more? Yeah, the what the what do you call the watch, it? Watch the watch with yeah. the mm-hmm. yeah. Of course, if you if you are a fan of the first Mad Max, you realize that he lost a son, so mm-hmm. get a little bit of a moment sequel moment there. Mm-hmm. I kind one of the things I like about Papagayo how he's characterized is that. He's he's a good leader. He seems like a competent leader, but he doesn't really have control of the group. Yeah. Like he's just they have a good argument against him. You know, he it's it's like there's not a clear cut leadership uh, about him. But he's still I get it. I get why he's in the position he's in. But they're also in a really bad spot here. Yeah, I I've always felt a little bit like the the townspeople are the weakest link. Like. Mm. I mean, this. I always thought he was a whiner, Papa Gallo, and it's like, yeah, are they really worth saving? I, it's terrible to say, but it's like there's, I they're goofy. That's a goofy bunch of people, that's for sure. Well, you come to like her, uh, yeah. little top top knot there. You come to like her because of her relationship with the gyro cut. Uh, but you know, Max wants the gas, so mm-hmm. he doesn't have to want to save him. There you go. That little right that, now. That little dolly in is a. Really nice. Historic. Oh, look at that magic hour shot and all yeah, this so here stuff. We are. Yeah, we've got stuff coming up. Look at that. Oh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> and all being lit, you know, and just a little eye light on Mel Gibson's blue eyes. <laughs> Making the most of these two shots because of the light. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's the thing, you know, as much as the this world of course is disturbing and and post-apocalyptic and depressing, the the photography really makes it all beautiful. I mean, this is it's David Lean territory a little bit here, you know, with just this gorgeous beautiful light. I just love this. He's got the future of the world on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so <laughs> mythic. I just mm-hmm. I love it. And we're coming up on a shot. Here we've got, you know, lights just off 
camera, but we're going to come up on a shot here pretty quick where they are going to be really right on the edge. I bet they were sweating it out when the with dailies. So were there? Did they put something on his feet to make him quieter? Because in that close up, it wasn't really a close up, but that shot where he walked into frame there, it looked like he had leather, almost like moccasins, covering his boots, and then they greased. His I don't know, but <laughs> what, what were we looking at there? Play. What are we looking at here? Yeah. I mean, this is, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, on the Blu-ray, you can definitely see everything right here. Well, this shot right it's, here where he's coming up is, I mean, whatever it looks like on the Blu-ray isn't what it looked like in the movie theater. Right. Yeah. Because it, it was... I remember I did almost dark, just a blank black screen. You know, <laughs> when I watched it on the Blu-ray, it was the first time I'd ever really seen that guy's mask and what it was. Hmm. I do remember Dean Semler on the commentary talking about how they, uh, you know, they didn't have a lot of budget for a lot of lighting, and that yeah, they yeah. I mean, look at this. This were, is bananas. Yeah. So here's another example of not not too bright of a guy. <laughs> he's pretty easily fooled here I mean he can't tell that sound is coming from five feet away apparently this <laughs> <laughs> is great I love it it's not like a bad you know it's not like bad storytelling it's just these guys are dumb it's kind of funny yeah I think what we have to make our list of influences we have to keep Warner Brothers cartoons on the list mm -hmm. as well <laughs> you definitely get that overtly and Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> Kid's great. Hmm. Yep, I so can't tell what's happening. <laughs> This is like the, the kid. This is the shot, right, where we're gonna tilt up and we're gonna see the landscape behind him, right? Oh no, I guess it's it's still shot. I wonder if that's morning or evening. That probably really is morning. Yeah, this one this has been timed differently the version i'm watching versus probably the version that you guys are watching hmm. now here we are that's this this shot's great isn't it mm -hmm. yeah so what he didn't know where to go <laughs> like this it's an interesting shot they took a moment to have him look quite confused is he looking for him is that what was happening there he expected him to still be up there Maybe, yeah. I guess so. Because he, his first, you know, his thought was, "I'll carry these as far as to where I yeah, find him." Yeah, then I'll him. get that guy to carry him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I I feel almost dense just thinking of that now, but that's exactly what he was doing. <laughs> I kind of love how the gyro ca the captain kind of has a relationship with the dog. You know, outside we had that first beat with the gun and the bone in the mouth. We have this moment where the dog is the one that fetches him, and then we'll have a, a fair. Uh, he has kind of a lengthy conversation with the dog here in a minute, yeah. relative to the rest of the conversations of this movie. Explains the delicacy of snake. 
cooking, you know, snake cooking. It's him. not a healthy relationship, John. He needs to get it's out of the relationship. A, it's not a healthy relationship, but he's trying. <laughs> Remember, he's just the gyro captain's just looking for a partner. That's his yeah. entire motivation is to find someone to be. You know, he finally finds with. that little kid in Thunderdome, and we don't mm-hmm. get to meet him hardly at all, which is a bummer. Oh, they have a pretty big role in Thunderdome. I've always wondered, is he supposed to be the same guy in Thunderdome? Is it? Can't be, right? I don't think so, yeah. I don't think it can be. Why can't it it be? Does he die in this? He doesn't die. Well, I mean, what do we think? He goes off to some other place, Many years later, right? Well, he's the gyro captain's supposed to become the leader of the clan at the end of the this movie, right? And then the kid becomes later. That's how the, the narration explains. Yeah, it's his twin. <laughs> but of course some character continuity doesn't matter in Mad Max that much, you know. No. Oh, this is great too. That's low. <laughs> See, he's he's offended by dishonesty even in an apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah, that is what makes him interesting. It's he's he's pre- holding over with this sort of sense of just, propriety and codes that no longer have any meaning. But he has I guess a flower it's a, like in a his reverse lapel. Tuco. As yeah, because well, yeah. Tuco's got a pretty clear philosophy, not as humanistic. But did did you guys? He has a flower in his lapel. I just noticed it for the first time. Hmm. It's like a real dead yellow flower, but he's got a flower in his He really is trying to uphold some kind of civility. I'd forgotten there were so many fades in this movie. It's 1982 was the summer of fades to black with this and the, the thing. The thing, yeah. I think he did it in Mad Max, too. It's just a mm. Miller thing. There were wipes in Mad Max as well. This is a Zoom. Check it out. We've got yeah, an actual zoom. zoom. Wow. One and done. Mm-hmm. There's that arrow in the side of the truck. Oh, that's right. That's from the, sorry. Mm-hmm. That arrow is from the opening mm-hmm. squabble. Yeah, that rig. Yeah. Hotness. Back to this land this speeder show. Yeah, the land tells speeder shot. story visually. You <laughs> yeah. Know? yeah. You don't need any dialogue. No. Oh. This movie does make you fall in love with CinemaScope. It really does. As much as they talk about how George Miller used the center of the frame in Fury Road, there was some video made about how central framing allowed for the quick cutting. But in this movie, he's really using the widescreen very dynamically. Uh, the edges of the frame and you know as i say that as we get this <laughs> one point like perspective shot <laughs> like suddenly it's a wes anderson shot of yeah. the truck <laughs> it's the truck from duel no, that's the first thought I had to. (laughs) 
Oh, dude. Get out oh, from no. under the car. No, no, no. <laughs> this is great right here. Just... Nice shot there. Yeah. These days it would all be CGI enhanced. Oh, ouch. So those shots, those low angle shots of the gyro captain are done on some kind of a rig. Yeah, he's on a rig. But but with a real sky behind him. Later we'll mm-hmm. get what I think might be the only green screen shots in the movie. Um when he crashes later. Hmm. But these shots are real. I mean, real-ish. Yeah. The camera's always right where it needs to be. It's just so... I'm envious. Mm. <laughs> and just think of the coordination as far as the stunts and the vehicles and the camera. And when you probably had a fairly low budget, just these guys really had it on the ball. The John Ford shot right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what was his Max's plan was just to get in the truck and drive like you would have thought he would have maybe come up with something else, considering that he really shouldn't be able to get through this at all. And and you have a guy, you have some air power if you want it. He could have coerced the gyro captain to help him out here without. Yeah. I don't know. It's just funny to me when you think about plans and movies, sometimes you don't want to think about it. Oh, it, really it was a dud. <laughs> there we go. A little Benny Hill moment. Yep. Spread the camera up a little bit. You know it's funny if it's uh, undercranked. Yeah. And this is a lot, some of this is, looks like it's maybe 18 frames per second. Yeah, a yeah. Undercranked. There's a lot of undercranked yeah. stuff in this movie. But George Miller said in an interview that kids are watching movies on VHS at two times, three times the speed, and they're able to just absorb this information, and that was part of what he said was inspiring him to just try to make it go as fast as he possibly could. Huh. Ooh. Yeah, you're super clear on the geography and the action of what just took place with, you know, yeah. with the guy accidentally firing the gun into the oh. back of the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, this was back in the 80s before uh, shaky cam and, you know, the, that sort of indecipherable action scene. This Probably of, was informed by Raiders of the Lost Ark as well. Just that clarity yeah, of geography. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have to wonder if you would have seen Raiders yet when they shot this. I wonder. That's true. That's yeah, well, true. Raiders real was close. 80, right? He, no, 81. 81. No, this would have been real close. Well, it was certainly a one-two punch in terms of Raiders coming out and then this coming out in terms of action movies. I just remember thinking, man, everything's just so fast. It's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, this might be where the white frame is on this headbutt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bam! There There it is. is. That guy, that guy's sad story. (laughs) 
It's got to add insult to injury for this gang that this people are hoarding gas and shooting them with it, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's like say, some whatever they fuel the they're using. <laughs> like where they get just, the fuel for the flamethrower? They have so much fuel that they can just shoot <laughs> flames at us. No wonder they're mad at them. <laughs> Oh, now it's uh, Captain Blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a bit of a pirate. This is a bit of a pirate movie. Yeah. Sequence, you know, the the swinging yeah. over to the other ship and suddenly mm-hmm. you're in enemy territory. Yeah, I, I think there's even some little corn goldy kind of moments in the score mm-hmm. during this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We gotta burn these stuntmen. Great shot. A lot of shots yeah. where you don't have to see the helicopter actually flying through the air. Yeah, it's very cagey. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely ah. also Errol Flynn esque. Hmm. This would have been such a fun movie to edit, you know? Can you imagine being in the cutting room putting this together? This would be so great. And, of course, he's the bell of the ball. That's exactly mm-hmm. what he is looking for is this kind of attention, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, whatever. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> Snarls at him. <laughs> It's all silent movie stuff. Yeah. Got a little W.C. Fields, right? Getting <laughs> annoyed by some kid. Sigh. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> what a charmer. I love her smile at first. Is like, uh. <laughs> he clearly wins her over in the next, uh, by the next scene. I forgot that Papa Gallo got shot. Perhaps the best, the funniest, definitely the funniest oh, part of the movie. Here we go. <laughs> that guy's <laughs> the best. He's going to sell us some batteries here in about three years. Radiators cracked walk. I got a cracked get water pop. reference. <laughs> <laughs> what was that guy's name? Jacko that sold the batteries, the, uh, the Australian battery sales. Is that uh, him? Oh, yeah. No, no. He just reminds you. Yeah, like right. It's definitely what they were going for with him. You got 12. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that is so great. And you get, you get your props from the best warrior of the crew, right? That's always a good, that's a good moment. You've won them over if, if she says thank you, right? She was the most skeptical. Probably the best warrior of them, of them all, and the best looking warrior of them all. Oh, yeah. Man. And it's interesting that they don't do anything with that. Max is not going to be interested in that, nor is this movie. But, but in that moment, the audience thinks, "Oh, mm-hmm. of course, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're just programmed." A little uh... <laughs> 
click Belinda Carlisle there for a second. Another, some more magic hour. Oh yeah, this and is a zoom. Great. Yeah, oh, this is so great. Oh yeah, this is I where mean, we get this crazy montage, right? The montage is incredible. Like the hellscape. Yeah, and what's so cool about it is that it's not there to drive plot forward like typical Hollywood montage. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just completely absorbing, you know, the moment or immersing you in the moment of this, this craziness. It's yeah. really great. It's weird because it's ultra. It's kind of violent and rousing and very loud but it's also kind of a respite in the movie in a weird way it's like <laughs> it's actually a breather even though it's really loud kind of rambunctious crazy and then lord humongous's arms are just like holding it's very schwarzeneggerian it's it, it looks like an old <laughs> but doesn't with these crucifixes doesn't it look like yeah. some old biblical epic too some sort of mm-hmm. strange nod to something from the 50s and yeah, he's that's preaching. True. He's yeah. preaching. And Planet of the Apes. I wonder if Frank Miller took from this for for the Dark Knight, you know, comics that he did in the mid eighties. It really reminds you of that what is that gang called that you know I'm talking about when Frank Miller took Batman Super Dark and mm. uh, there was a gang like that where the, a guy stood up and preached kind of in a similar looking landscape sort of like preached that they were going to take control of the city and so on. Why I can't think of the name of that guy. Sorry, I'm a Batman year one guy myself. (laughs) It was pretty close to the same time. Talking about the, the Dark Knight Returns. Who would have thought to take time for this? You know, her and whether or not she wants to leave with him. And it's just, it was really surprising. Uh, like I said, it yeah. to move the story. You got to inject some humanity in here and there. And really everyone else is just about business. And it's nice to have this moment where people have actual feelings. And then I love that he gets it. He's like, okay. He gets it because it's what he's looking for, right? She has what he's looking for. And he says, oh, I get it, okay. And then he ends up, uh, you know, joining the family. That was like a cut to black. Mm-hmm. For just an instant. I really like that he's 
just opens by saying, I don't have time for speeches because I wish more movies would <laughs> take that cue. <laughs> it's like in, nowadays it would be like, you know, I knew a guy once that, uh, and he would give you some sort of allegory for why you should drive the tanker. Yeah, that was the whole thing about the Wild Bunch. It's like, this is the moment when <laughs> William Holden should make a speech, and instead he mm-hmm. just says, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so he likes the old guy, too. He actually cracks a little grin there for the first time. I guess he is kind of giving the speech now. Yeah. But he has to. He didn't, he didn't got to sell him. Back when movies were blocked and dramatic scenes took place in single takes instead of broken up into close-ups. So here, that's a little sequel moment. Just very few sequel moments in this movie, you know, where they really speak to the first movie at all, but there they did. Certainly lay out why Max is so closed off mm-hmm. by bringing up his family, get a little emotion out of him. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think you even really need to have seen the first movie to, to yeah. imagine, you know, something in this moment. Yeah. Any, any wayward warrior probably has some kind of a past, something that turned him this way. So, yeah, yeah. it's really just kind of within the mythology of this type of story already. Something had to give him that Bride of Frankenstein streak in his. In his mm-hmm. <laughs> it gets real. It's real distinct to the third one, right? Yeah, he's got almost like a it's Holly kind of Walnuts from The Sopranos. Dude. Yeah. Uh, another thing I, I always love is a good stowaway moment in a movie or television show. Whoa. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's not a very good stowaway, but <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that they just said, you know, this kid can be wild and we'll still like him. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go for some kind of cutesy pie stuff. Yeah, this moment really works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no, like, tears or anything either. Like, you could have, they could have gone with the real puppy dog moment there, but they didn't. The kid's just like, oh, oh, that sucks, okay. Yeah. It was a right-to-left wipe, John. Yeah. The first yeah. one I think we've had. Everything else has been left to right. That was right to left. They're all vertical, though, right, in this movie. I think that all of his wipes are vertical in this movie. He doesn't do any. Yeah. Lucas style like craziness going to bottom to top or sideways or circles circle wipes what do you think a wipe means Todd in terms of like what is it what does a wipe signify versus a a cut or a fade or why do you use a wipe oh gosh you're putting me on the spot I don't know I mean you know it uh I mean certainly it usually means like a passage of time sort of like how a dissolve does Mm 
but it it sort of feels like the turn of a page like if you can't really turn a page on a screen it's sort of a similar approach but i like that idea a turning of a page yeah. so it, it cuz i always think like what I love wipes, but what does it do to the movie that makes it different than a movie that doesn't have wipes, you know? Well, and maybe that's one, it. It reduces it to this, not reduces it, but it, it suggests that there's something, yeah, like a storybook. I mean, to me, it's typically about energy. And in this movie, it's kind of front to back. He uses wipes very early in this movie and on through the whole film. And this movie never stops moving. And... In Mad Max, he doesn't really use them until the shit goes down, until the family's dead and he starts going on his revenge quest. Then it's signifying to the audience, okay, we're moving now. We're on a breakneck pace. The stories, the shit got real. That's what I, and I've said this before, when mm-hmm. I write them into a script, that's usually what I do that for. I put them in a place, okay, we're picking up the pace now. The story's now going to get a little quicker and I want you to see that in your mind, you know, that it, it's the fact that it's an edit that's within the frame, you know, it just makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Obviously, you can cut multiple cuts can create a lot of energy as well. But there's something about that wipe that's just it's exciting. And people yeah, try to I, say that it's old fashioned it that, and that drives me nuts. It's not old fashioned. There's nothing old fashioned. Let's just get this out. There's nothing in movies that's old fashioned. You can use whatever you want. Like style is style. You can use it. Uh, right. There's nothing that's like, oh, well, you can't, it's two, 2021, you can't use a wipe now. That's ridiculous. I hear no, no, yeah, that. I agree with that, totally. I, I'm I'm more interested in what it is inviting mm-hmm. the audience to consider, like, just in terms of the kind of movie it is. Like, I don't think yeah. that you can't use a wipe in all movies, but if no, you no. add a wipe to a particular movie, it will transform it into something else. Did I mention this on, I can't remember if I mentioned this on, on the Bond podcast at some point, but one of the great wipe moments in the history of film is in the movie Destry Rides Again, right? Where Jimmy Stewart plays the lawman that doesn't carry a gun, right? Through the whole movie, he doesn't carry a gun. And then something goes down and it wipes to him walking into a room, grabbing a gun, turning around and leaving and wipes out of the scene. And it's like, that just wouldn't have worked the same if it would have been cut. Like it, it's something about that wipe that just tells you he's pissed now. He's not just picking up the gun, but there's something I don't know more kinetic about it. It's more cinematic than just the cut. And uh, again, that that is a movie from the 1930s. So people yeah. that call wipes old fashioned, sure, I, that's an example from a long time ago. But I just don't I don't understand those kind of arguments. Well, wipes had kind of gone out of fashion until Star Wars, right? I mean, if I sure. remember correctly, that's sort of what brought oh, it back in vogue. I hate this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why? 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 Because why do people movie. kill dogs? It's a ruthless movie. Well, the, I mean, you got to take something away from Max. Yeah. You know, in the first movie, it was the wife and kid. There's nothing else but the dog. It's sad enough, but um, I just hate killing dogs. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's awful. Ugh. There was a movie called Fresh uh, that we played at the Fine Arts Theater when I worked there, and they kill a dog in that movie, and every screening somebody would walk out in that scene. And they also kill a girl by shooting her in the throat and making her die slowly in that movie, but people mm. don't walk out of no. that scene. Yeah, either. right. Um, yeah, I, I'm very familiar shot. with Fresh. I love that movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
Oh, the always the biggest mistake the villain makes. Is there a little diffusion on these lenses, Todd? And that, uh, that looks a you little know, diffused. Well, here's so I, I remember the commentary. They're uh, shooting this at the end of the day, and this lens is wide open at like f one, uh, and so it's it's uh, soft because it's wide open. <laughs> So speaking of, uh, there was a know, wipe that was almost uh, invisible. Yeah, I love, it. I love it when the wipe goes with the person. <laughs> Things like that. That's very Lucasy too. So wipes those. are opticals, you know. And here's another optical trick uh, oh, yeah. that is really interesting. Um, it's very simple to do, you know, but the effect is perfect. Is it double printing it with yeah pretty speed? much you yeah. just you just kind of scoot you scoot the same scoot. footage about three frames or four frames forward or back and so you get this stroby effect it's kind of it's almost like the in the film noir when they get slipped to mickey kind of yeah thing here that we're getting. totally it's, gives us an idea of what his disorientation is at this moment and then we get this dreamy moment here And this is this is so great. This is the mythic, you know, rescue from above. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the the birds coming, the, the eagles come and rescue him, Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and and there's also something kind of weirdly apocalypse now about this shot, you know. Yeah. Like, See, I think of Mash for a second, but I, uh-huh, I've been watching a yeah. lot of Mash lately, so. <laughs> but nah. But I I do think that this is where your the Joseph Campbell stuff you can really see it. I love how he's leaning in saying, eh, partner, and he's giving this big sn- smile, and when we cut to Gibson, his eyes like bugged out, like really weirded <laughs> out. Like, what is going on? <laughs> Look at the lens distortion, like how yeah. wide that lens must be. Yeah. On the, on the TV cold. version, they turn this black and white, I guess because of the blood. No. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's world? terrible. Now, this is the Apocalypse Now shot, right? Yeah, Literally, there we go. Right? Saigon. It's lit, the, it's lit the same way. I can everything. hear the doors right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody turn it off, please. Wow, there was a dissolve on that shot, wasn't there? There sure was, yeah. Yeah. Another one. Another one. It's those quick dissolves those like an Empire Strikes Back at the end yeah. with, yeah. Maybe the optical house gave him a deal. <laughs> Maybe that's why they did all these. You know, I'm trying to think of a movie. <laughs> Do one wipe, get ten wipes free. I'm trying to think of like a digital movie, you know, in the last few years that leans so heavily on optical transitions. Do they do you can you think of anything and do I mean, they look uh, the same as a as when you use an optical printer? Like does the digital can we get can we get a digital wipe to look as cool as a film wipe? Yeah, See, I'm, I, I'm trying to I think, think of, you can. Yeah, I mean it's back to Star Wars again, but Ryan Johnson really went crazy in the Last Jedi with his trains. He had a lot of mm-hmm. fun with Star Warsy transitions, including the there's the moment with Kylo Ren and Leia where they have the Empire Strikes Back quick dissolves back quick and dissolves, forth. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I can't remember if Last Jedi's shot on film and or not. It, it is. Have been. Yes, it is on. I think it, was it is shot on film. That's the only thing I can think of. I'm, you just don't see that much yeah. of that stuff these I'm days. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm. I imagine maybe Edgar Wright has probably done some crazy 
Yeah, there's a transitions. There's some, yeah, you're probably right. He's a he's a cutter though. Like he he really likes to use hard cuts, but in a very creative way. Yeah. He's he's much more about framing shots and cutting between shots than he is using optical. Hmm. Um, I think there's some. I think. I mean, I though. You you're probably right. Yeah. I've seen this movie so many times. I would think. That, I don't know if I have a feel for that or not though. So Mel Gibson had to basically do an Australian accent that he had lost. <laughs> he kind of had one. I uh, know he was born in America, but he grew up most of his life in Australia. Yeah. I don't know how old he was when they moved from New York. But um Yeah, doesn't he have an accent in that what's the movie you did before that? This was it Tim or Tim with Piper Laurie? Yeah. There's Tim and then Gallipoli after this. Yeah, Gallipoli's and, got the accent. Or before Gallipoli's before this too, isn't it? Yeah. But he doesn't have a thick accent at any point. Like it's never incomprehensible where you would have to overdub him. It's just so silly. <laughs> I love the bird and the the bird in the foreground. It's yeah. almost foreboding, right? So he stole this car. This is not his car. This was the villain, one of the villains' cars earlier, right? That the the, the uh, Papagayo here is driving. Mm. I always thought it fit his character, but it also isn't his. Those were both zooms, weren't they? Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> it's just so on a leash. <laughs> but just think of the just the logistics of doing shots like that, where you had to get all the cars to hit their marks just right, and then the camera had to do a little boom up and a move over. You know, all these things just take precision and planning. It occurs to me Mad Max's uh, Max's hair at the beginning of Beyond Thunderdome is the same haircut as the feral kid. It's the kid, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's kind of hard not to think about the Lost Boys with that kid, too. Like yeah. The girl... Chasing him, I'm like, oh, the Lost Boys just kind of stole that relationship, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And the kid kind of looks like the kid, too. We're just watching the movie now. Yeah, I always love these it's, shots of him. Uh, how dark they are in the cab mm-hmm. of the truck mm-hmm. and compressed the long lens. It's just. So I've always been confused by that part because it seems to be telling us he got hit, but he did not get hit. Right. Cause there he is. He's fine. So I never understood that reaction shot. Maybe he 
felt the bullet whiz whiz by his head. Maybe. It's just an awful big reaction. <laughs> well, you know, John, well, you know, he, it's he, he's an expressive guy. Well, I get that, but I mean, in this moment of the movie, to cut to that is what I mean. Yeah. Like, what you should be telling me something big right now, not a near miss. These idiots. Obviously, this place is booby-trapped. <laughs> Why would they leave it to you? Well, maybe they thought they took the deal. I don't know. So, from what I understand, <laughs> this requ- this explosion required stopping air traffic. Yeah. And stopping mining operations at nearby mines for the period of time it took to set up the shot and have the explosion. There were wow. some mines nearby, and they couldn't let the miners be in them when this explosion it, went down. Oh, wow. It was such to a crazy date explosion. the largest single explosion for a movie ever, I think. And there's this moment right here, is it right here, where some debris comes pretty close to the camera, yeah. and you can hear it. I, maybe I missed it. It's a crazy <laughs> explosion. And I guess the military assisted on okay. the explosion, too. Apparently, they were very cooperative with movies, the Australian army. They gave him a, they gave George Miller a rocket for the first movie to put in the car. I think it's Knight Rider's car at the beginning has a rocket in it. You can kind of see it when it crashes. Like, sure, we'll give you a rocket to put in a car. It's kind of crazy. So maybe it's lacrosse. Uh, are they lacrosse shoulder pads? Is that what? The, now that we see him wearing the lacrosse helmet, maybe that's what the shoulder pads are. Could be. Jeez. I like how casual Wes is right there. He's like leaning, leaning against the. Like the it's like a hayride. <laughs> He's like oh, just a cartoon like, ah! character. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is it's so funny and it's so brutal all at once, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like it won't quite let you completely be giddy because it'll turn around and then, you know, yeah, take somebody's head off it's, and you're like, oh, geez, I can't yeah. completely laugh at it. <laughs> I mean, the George Miller, that's just George Miller's sensibility, right? Like when you think about the guitar player guy in fury road and you're like what is that that's you're like laughing at the absurdity and yeah, then you look exactly. at him closely and you go dear god that's disturbing <laughs> look at him he's completely deformed and chained to a truck hmm. yeah i appreciate his love of the grotesque yeah me too i mean i think this is isn't this a moment too where yeah this is this is insanely painful concept yeah. here <laughs> I mean, dragging a vehicle by the le- your leg is attached to your grappling hook. That's that's pretty sick. Uh, I like the grappling hooks, by the way. So that gives points. It's time oh, me with too. you and telescopes. I'm kind of like that with grappling hooks. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I love grappling hooks too. I'm with you. And crossbows, of course. I laughed because that was clearly a dummy, and I just yeah. have. Any shot with a dummy just automatically makes me laugh. You have good Dundar. You can <laughs> spot him. And again, kind of, kind of a subdued reaction to this situation. Not like as subdued as earlier, but 
I'd be screaming. Ow. <laughs> Ow. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, see, that's terrible. Too. Oh. It's just, uh, high five. She gets a good death, man. They give her some time. Some screen time. And is this the first water we see in the whole movie? You're just really building it piece by piece by piece. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you know how many, how much time they spent shooting this last big chase? I don't remember. I know they didn't spend as much time shooting the movie as you would think. Um, I think it's a fairly short shoot for what you see on the screen. As far as the chase, though, it had to take a while. I mean, some of those kind of shots, you can tell they they could pick those up easily. But God, so much of it is mm -hmm. everybody's really moving. Oh, and just those characters are just gone now. That's crazy. <laughs> Is this the? This might be it. Yeah. So that was oh. not how that stunt was supposed to go. Oh, really? That was he was supposed to jump over that, and he broke his leg uh, pretty severely on that stunt. That stunt man did, but they kept it in. Look at that shot! That was crazy. Yeah, these how punctuation do you get that shots. shot? I mean, that, that had to be a hard shot to get, unless it's uh, just looks that way. They're probably undercranked a little bit there too. On the here, here we go. These poor guys. Not these guys, the other guys. Mm -hmm. The only stitches I've really ever gotten has been when I was cut on a barbed wire fence. And so just seeing anybody around barbed wire makes me get a little queasy. Mm. That, what like was that. that guy doing? That caused him to. Was he trying to grab one of his arrows? Never could again another really dumb moment from a one of these guys. I don't remember what this actual, what the camera is actually on for these shots. If it's a helicopter flying low or if it's one of those, I just don't know. It could have just been that. Thing. I mean, clearly they had a working gyro. Yes, so. Helicopter yeah, but cell. that thing, I can't imagine that gyro Mounting with the weight of a camera. camera on it. I True. Don't know. Probably just a helicopter. Probably a helicopter. I 
I can't even imagine how they knew whether you know how many shots that they could hope to get in a day, given how complicated some of these things were. Yeah. yeah. No, it's really one of the great feats of action cinema is this entire sequence. It kind of reminds me of, you know, I recently watched To Live and Die in L.A. again, and I always forget how complicated that chase sequence is. Yeah. And it's like, man, how much time did they put into this? And that one even has more, I would say, more like character beats in it, too. So there's a lot of moments that they... Um, where they need to get good reaction shots in the right time. Yeah, but this thing like, hardly ever goes back to the same shot. That's what's no? so amazing. Oh, more pain. These cuts are just perfect. <laughs> Not to bring up my own stuff, but I made a short film called Killing Michael Bay, and it occurs to me that uh, some of my stuff is definitely an homage to this, just mm-hmm. like with the bullets rolling on the hood and stuff. We just missed that terrible shot of those two, the two old poor guys. Mm. I mean, I'm yeah. glad they finally got it over with, to be right. honest. Yeah. They've been having a tough time of it. <laughs> so we've already revealed the reveal there, but you wouldn't know it because there's too much going on, right? What yeah. We actually see the reveal. We actually see the dirt falling out of the tanker right there from the tanker, but we don't. Why would we notice that? There's way right. too much going on for us to look at that. Yeah. It might have been the case that that's the only shot they could use for the story. And, well, I don't know. So yeah, see, it see it's starting out. to happen. No, yeah, it's yeah. starting to happen. I think, he's kind of, I think he's kind of messing with us. He's foreshadowing it. Well, now you don't mm-hmm. see it. It's like there's no way they can win. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, talk about the stakes, you know, making uh, it seem just hopeless. They really do a good job in this. So where's the green green screen shot? Right there. That? I think you get another one. Well, those, yeah, and that one, clearly. Oh, I thought that was just like a process shot. Well, it's... A rear screen you know, well, something like process that. shot. The other ones I'm talking. No, I mean the other ones we saw were he's clearly like on a rig and they're moving it around with a real sky. But that's he's not. That's a fake background of some kind. I don't yeah. know if yeah. it's green screen or not, but uh, or if it's rear projection or whatever. Probably it was rear phonier than the other ones. Yeah. They're running out of light. Yeah, <laughs> sure are. It looks great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that almost looked like, you know, tilt shift miniature kind of stuff, those shots mm-hmm. from behind. Get the bullets. I'll say that the first time I saw this movie, I did not see this coming. Yeah. They pulled out. It's like, how did I not see it coming? But (laughs) I didn't see it coming. They pull out the sound, right? Like you just Mm -hmm. hear the wind. 
And then he cuts a humongous. Was... So you think humongous is going to do the next thing. Whatever the next thing is, it's him. Yeah. Because he's going to nitro it. He's coming at him hard. So whatever the next thing that they're going to have to deal with, it's him. Yeah. It's the total but John could... Carpenter trick of creating a, a, a misdirect. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny how long the moment lasts, you know, how they yeah. did they just really stretch it out. <laughs> oh. I think you get the little eye bug there, did you? I think so. We, we got a look. mouth for sure. I don't know if we got an eye. Yeah. Oh. Red dirt everywhere. Yeah. This so was the, the shot. This is the shot that what? We'll see how soft it looks. This is the yeah. shot where they said they had run out of light oh, and the, right. the mm-hmm. lens is wide open and they're pushing the film to get anything. You were saying about the 80s? Oh, it's just, it seems like the 80s was the, was the decade of trucks and movies. You know, it starts with Raiders, it goes through this, and then the Terminator, and Near oh, Dark. Yeah. and Well, it really started with BJ kill. and the Bear. <laughs> BG and the bear really brought it in and then everything's just a copy of that. Lucky they decided to just go home. Yeah, they always yeah. do that. That's that's one of the well, of course they don't have anything to fight for anymore. All their bosses are dead. They're probably yeah. like, well, let's go do something else. Well, I think they also saw there was nothing but dirt coming out of the thing. Yeah. They don't have any revenge aspirations, right? They're like, "What do we? What do we want to deal with this for?" Let's Probably go. get my mom's. <laughs> dissolves, long dissolves. I like that they have them carry them that way. It kind of keeps their relationship. It's not a baby carry, like nothing like gentle about the way he carries them. He just like kind of yanks them up and drags them. Even though it's an 80s movie, this feels like a 70s kind of moment, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. The gyrocopters turned into a car. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we get two smiles out of Max the whole movie, right? That moment's earned, though. That's great. Totally. Oh, I like the moment with the old man, too. And I like the fact that you get a reveal of who's doing the speaking. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. Oh, me too. I 
That is just the best shot of him. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Todd, thanks for joining us. Thank you. John, any final thoughts? Oh, I don't know. Just thinking of no, not really. Just kind of looking at the credits here to see if there's anything that pops out. But Mel Gibson is listed Golden with the Youth. stunt crew, which is nice. Hey, there's a Norris there, Guy Norris. Hey, Guy Norris. That's your uh, non de plume, right? When you go, <laughs> hey, it's me, it's Guy Norris. There's a Mitch, Mitch Consultancy. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Consultancy to you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not seeing any Johns here. John. What's going on? John or an Ingle, please. Certainly. There John he is, Harrell. John. There we go. Harrell flew that hel- <laughs> yeah, helicopter pilot. So that must have been your helicopter shots. Allison Pickup. <laughs> There's some funny <laughs> names in here. Is that her real name? Um, yeah, I don't have anything else really. Just now I'm just <laughs> reading names. <laughs> Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We hope we've uh, pointed out a couple of things maybe you didn't notice before. Yeah, so anything, if nothing else, it gave, we gave you an excuse to watch the movie again. It's always a good idea. Yeah. There's Guy Norris again. Yeah. He what was, are you doing? He was on the stunt team. That's his third. This is his third and a credit here. And now I don't know if we should stop or just keep watching the credits, <laughs> looking for something funny to say. Well, we'll just say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. It's a day. Goodbye. <laughs>